So, here is the deal. So we're looking at this whole series on house fires, and really what that means is it's just a, a word picture of what it would look like if we got so on fire for the Lord that nothing else mattered, and then it was so infectious that other people were changed. And so, like I want to present each week, because I feel the, the, the need in the Spirit to say this, is that I have been trying to do this with myself, and it does work. It works in a powerful way, is preach the gospel to yourself every day. In fact, I was just outside this morning, and I was preaching to myself the gospel. Whenever I felt this tension in my flesh, between my flesh and my spirit, I just would preach the gospel. And so right now, I would just like to uh, continue in, in prayer as he prayed for us and continue to uh, pray again and just ask the Lord to not only to open our ears, as Samuel the prophet said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, but to open up our eyes so that we would not only be able to see physically what is around us, but there would be something that would open with inside of us that we, we would be able to see with the spirit of faith. And be able to see what God is saying. And so, if you would, would you pray with me that God would do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his great riches and his glory that he's given to all of us through the power of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we come as a body continuing Robert's prayer and continuing to pray, Lord, that I don't want to come with any wise or persuasive words. And that is why in my heart is wrecked by your spirit to just absolutely be on my knees and say, Lord, what can I bring that's, uh, to the table? Absolutely nothing. I'm no match for sin. I'm no match for Satan. But there is one who is resurrected who is undefeated. And so I want to pray right now, Lord, that as I do not come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit of power, that everyone in this room, their faith would not rest on what I say, but on the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrated in a mighty way today. So, Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears open our minds, and open our mouths to say and receive exactly what you have for us. Because you are not deaf, and you are not mute, and you are not a God who is far away, but a God who is made away through the name of Jesus. And somebody say amen. Well, are y'all awake today? Touch your neighbor and say you're awake. That was weak. So you're not awake. So here's the deal. So if it was not for Jesus, where would we be? Think about us exactly right, because it was because our sins are always before us, and sins don't just create this horizontal distance and gap between God. They create a vertical chasm as well. It's called the weight of sin, and, and there is a chasm that is deep that is too far to cross and too deep to pass. And so what happens, there is, we stand because of this pure and holy God. There is a distance of sin that creates, and we are now under his wrath if it were not for Jesus Christ. And so I do say preach the gospel every day. Reiterating what John Piper said, preach it, John. Preach it to yourself. And so I want to continue to that. Preach it. That the Bible declares in Matthew 5, 48, to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be ye perfect. It is a demand we cannot meet. 
as Dr. Piper would say, it is a demand we cannot meet. And because that demand cannot be met, there's a burden that comes with it. There's a burden of, because of our unrighteousness, there's a burden of justice that's coming because God is a good judge and he is a good God and a kind God. But because of Jesus, he came forward and he saved the day. I mean, think about Romans 3.10. For it is written, there is no unrighteous, or as it is written, there is no unrighteous, no not one. And that perfection that is demanded that we cannot meet, Jesus came and became that perfection for us so that 2 Corinthians 5.21 would hold true, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the what, saints? Just take a guess. The righteousness of God. We are now, Jesus Christ, uh, because of his work, we are now seen as righteous. The blood of Jesus covers us. The blood of Jesus stands in front of us. And he's a lamb looking as if slain, always reminding God the Father of his relationship with us. And because of that, we get nothing but mercy. And I thank Jesus because we cannot meet the demand and because that produced unrighteousness in us, he met the demand but by him being perfect and imputing his righteousness, that is putting it in us, standing in front of us with our legal debt being paid by the blood of Jesus because of the sweetest passage in Scripture. And I say it all the time, and I'm going to say it every week until we get sick of it, as if we would. And then we can preach it to ourselves, Galatians 3.13. Right? Christ redeemed us. I mean, the most beautiful path. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he satisfied the wrath of God by becoming a curse for us, he has redeemed us because we could not meet the perfection that was demanded to be in his presence. And so now we get mercy. And I will declare to you today what I heard Piper say a long time ago uh, or, or years ago, but it has resonated with me. It has resonated with me, and I will continue to say it. The greatest gift of the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. The greatest gift of the gospel is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift of the gospel is that we don't get to go to heaven. That's not the greatest gift of the gospel. The greatest gift of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ is we get a relationship with God now. And that ought to move us. And it ought to move us. And it ought to wreck us. And it ought to make something motivate inside of us that we, are, we now get to declare the presence of God. And so I've been wrestling with this as I declared to you last week. So if I am right with God, if I'm right with God because of Jesus and you're right with God because of Jesus, because we stand wrecked, we are no match for sin. I love people to say, well, if I get to this line and I just don't cross it, I haven't sinned. I just want us to know we're no match for sin because we couldn't go to the cross. So we stand with this beautiful relationship because of Christ and have an open heaven as his baptism declared. And we can commune with God. And we have this. But because of this, why doesn't God just kill us? Why didn't he just kill me? Why didn't he just say, John, you're saved. And if the, the end goal is to be in his presence, why not just take me out? Why don't you just come on, take me home? Why does God not just 
absolutely say, like Enoch, he was walking with God and there was no more. Why not just come on home? And I've been wrestling with that. And I've been wrestling with that. And I now understand what he's saying. Because of the gospel, I can have his presence. Now I have a purpose in the gospel to declaim his authority. And so every one of us in this room, we get to get more of his presence by living out his purpose. You see, before Christ, think about this, before Christ, how do we look at people? We didn't even value people, did we? Come on, tell the truth. I mean, we valued what we valued, but we didn't value other people. But somebody said to me this Friday night, I was with a guy, he's from Oklahoma, and he was just, had been transformed by the gospel. And he looked at me, he said this, and it just, the Holy Spirit just took it and drove it into my heart in a beautiful way. And he said, John, when I got saved, I started looking at people, not as people, but as made in the image of God. And all of a sudden, I cared for people like I never cared before, because now we don't look at people as broken or addicted or problems. We look at people with value. We see them with eternal value. We see them as image bearers or people that come in the image of God. And then we want to then just step in and move Satan out the way and let God clean up this mess. And that is why God doesn't take us home. There is a purpose. If we get the Holy Spirit, who is the triune God's presence on earth today, then what does his presence mean for us right now? That is, if we're saved, why doesn't God just kill us and take us into his full presence? And the answer is, there's an assignment that we all have that brings us into a greater presence of the Lord. Don't miss it. If you want more of his presence, then live out his purpose. Share his glory. So the answer is there's an assignment that brings with it a greater experience of Jesus' presence prior to experiencing God's full presence. Colossians 1, 23 says it like this, uh, the last part. It says, this is the gospel that you have heard, that you heard, and that has now been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I preached this passage many years ago, and I preached it one other time. I preached it at a big youth thing at Somerville Baptist years and years ago. There was all these different churches from different denominations, and I preached this, and it, it wrecked my heart, and, and I pray that it'll wreck yours as well, because I was reading on it. I was reading on it under the Let the Nations Be Glad, and there was a, a, a section about this by Piper on it. It says now, and he says in verse 24, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, I have to just say something for a moment. What is lacking in Christ's afflictions? I mean, is his salvation lacking? No. Is his righteousness lacking? No. Is the full image of God in my life? No. Is his Prayer and an eternal intercession in Hebrews 7, lacking for us that I would lose my salvation? No. Then what is lacking? What does it mean in this passage that what is lacking? What is lacking tells us of our assignment. What is lacking is that people don't know Jesus. See, when Jesus was on earth, he was at one place and one time at one moment. Can I get a witness? But now that he's in heaven, And the Holy Spirit is sent. The Holy Spirit is in everywhere, at every place, in all times. 
and the Holy Spirit is within us. And as we go as the scattered church, church ecclesia, called out ones, we are gathered here today, but we're scattered during the week, and we come together sometime during the week, then we go back out and scatter. Why? Because in the scattering is our assignment. And in the assignment, we fill up what is lacking. What is lacking is that people do not know the satisfying presence of Jesus. And so we through afflictions that come because we come and we step into God's territory that the devil has put a dark cloud over and said it's his territory because he's a liar. It doesn't belong to him, but he's duped a lot of people thinking it does belong to him. And he's got people living in, I'm nothing. People living in, I'm an addicted. People living in, I'm suffering fully and all this and I can never come out of this. Whatever it is, depression, or whatever it might be. He's just lying and lying and lying. But the Spirit of God wrecks the people of God and we step out into the presence of God with his authority and the Jordan River is open and God's presence is seen and felt and known. And he destroys every demon in hell. Even the demons that live in people when I go to death row. You know, it's weird. You walk, it's just weird on death row. It's weird. You're walking in the middle and these people over here being punished and they're running up to the plexiglass and beating on you and I just got my head down. You know, I'm like, man, don't look, don't look, don't look. You know, and I get in there and they lock me. When they go, they lock me in the cage with them. Even the guards don't go in. And I got people up there that are Muslim that are screaming at me. And one dude gets up and goes over in this other room and takes a shower. You know, it's a weird deal when people walk around and with a towel around them going to take a shower and you're preaching. Can I just talk about that for a moment? That's a weird deal. I mean, it's one thing to sing in the shower, but, you know, I'm preaching to people. And, uh, anyway, all right, so but what I'm saying is, is that even in that place, if God can't save there, he ain't God, and I don't want to follow him. And we go to the places where God has called you, to your team, to your job, and your flesh says, I quit. And then what does the Spirit tell you? I'll tell you what the Spirit says to me. Shut up, jabroni. Okay, not really, but you get the picture, right? John, quit whining. The Spirit says, stand up, rise up, be a man of God. And then when I try to walk in my flesh, I feel this pressure of going, oh gosh, gosh, uh, Lord, I, I, I mean, you know, how am I going to live up to it? How am I, I going to live perfect? I'm not perfect. I got all these sins in front of me and everybody sees my sins and all this. And, and God is saying, listen, they ain't going to look at your sins when they see that I've overcome them. So live as an overcomer. Don't live as a defeated one. And so we step into the places where the devil has lied and said that it's his. And we take back what is rightfully God. The earth is the Lord's. Come on, somebody. And everything in it. I know what Psalm says. So how do we show Jesus in those places? So you're in a place, you're like, how do I know God called me? You're alive, aren't you? Well, John, I don't know if it's the right place. Well, guess what? If it's, I want you to think about the supremacy of God and the satisfying presence of God. Even if I'm in the wrong place, is God not enough to genius to get me into the right one? So I can't sit around and go, well, I'm just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You know what you do? You stand up and proclaim Jesus. And you say, I don't know what that looks like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what. So how do 
I proclaim Jesus. And here's the point today, and it's on Facebook, at Summit Church, you could see it, you could spend time with it, but here's the point, and I'm going to say it every week, because it's basically the same point every week, because Satan enters into a battle with us as Christians, and he tries to fight against our faith. He wants us to doubt God like Eve. Will you really die? You'll be like God, Satan said. You know what I I saw about that passage? She never became like God, and Adam never became like God. They just got further away from him. That was good, wasn't it? You can tweet it. So how do we show? See, God's calling. How do we show? All right. The transforming power, here's the point. The transforming power of the gospel, because the Holy Spirit's alive in us, the transforming power of the gospel is that we are captivated in these dark places by the promises of God compared to what the world says or what the world can give. That's it. We're more captivated and satisfied with the presence of God because Jesus, the presence of God, through the Holy Spirit, is the promise of every, he's the fulfillment of every promise. And so I'm captivated that God will make a way when somebody says there ain't no way. That's the difference. That is how we show the world as believers the promises of God because the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. So when I taste and see, I can't get enough of God. The more that I taste him, the more that I want because he is my all-satisfying desire. So I want us to look at a passage that is very, forgive me for using a superlative English majors. We're not supposed to ever use or write with the word very, but because of my limited vocabulary, because of I was so disobedient in high school, uh, I don't have that great of a vocabulary, so I'm having to make up uh, for lost time. But praise God, he can still use, he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? And so here is a passage that is popular. I'll take one easy Easy. When I tell you easy, say easy. It's easy passage. Joshua 1 9. Mm-hmm. Some of you, that's my life first. That's my life. He's speaking to my life right now. Go, Jesus. So when I um when I was driving up the road, uh, I would drive up four and a half hours or five hours one week to Raleigh. Well, Wake Forest, it's just north of Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, every week for five straight years. Three years to earn one degree, and two years to get to the writing stage of another degree. Five straight years. I mean, sometimes I would even go during the majority of the summer. And I would drive up the road, and I'll never forget it. I first started up there, and all my coaching friends, nobody even called me. It was like straight crickets. Now, we didn't necessarily, Lynette and I were so poor, we didn't have a cell phone. So don't judge me, okay? Don't judge me. But, I mean, we didn't have nothing. And, but I would drive up in this road. And, and I'll never forget, I'd, I'd get on the phone when I get there or, or whatever I was doing. And then one, t- uh, one time we got a cell phone. 
we got a cell phone. I was like, we got a cell phone. I called my twin sister, who's a lawyer. I called her. I said, I said, and at the time she was a paralegal. I said, Jennifer, I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I'm almost broken. I said, I can't keep doing. I, I know God's promises is that, that he not only has a plan, but within that plan is his presence. And that presence, his presence is so satisfying. Like I get it. I, I know it, but I don't feel it. And sometimes the pain is so bad. I don't even want him. Can I get a witness? And so I turn around, I say, I don't, know what, I don't know what to do, and I'm just broken. Why am I doing this? I don't even know anybody. I'm going up to school, and all these academicians, and they're talking about words I don't even know. I'm just a 300-pound lover, not a fighter. Come on, Michael Jackson. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And she just looked at me, and, well, she didn't look at me, but through the phone, I got this visual because I know my twin sister, right? And she said, shut up, in the name of Jesus. She said, shut up. She said, toughen up. This is what God called you to do. Now go do it. It's not what I wanted to hear, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. Our flesh collides with our spirit. And so in the midst of that dark time, y'all know I can't, I can't sing. I don't even know why they let me play bass, but it's by default. And um, so I wrote a song. And I actually played it on the radio. Can you believe it? I wrote a song. There was a guy at Summit at the time who, who put music to it and then sent it in, and all of a sudden they started playing it. And it was, isn't it amazing that out of your darkest time, God can give you the greatest beauty? So here we go, Joshua, Joshua 1.9. You already know what's going to happen, Joshua 1.9. So I looked at this passage, and I want to pick something that you, you know what's going on here. They're getting ready to go in the promised land. This is just unbelievable. Let, let, actually, let's start at verse 7. Let's kind of bring it into, into fruition here. Uh, so God is speaking to Joshua because in verse 1, Moses is dead. Graveyard, dead, gone. Verse 7, God says to Joshua, or Yeshua, uh, the Hebrew name for Jesus. Yahweh saves, or God, Yahweh, God is my salvation. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be what, saints? Mm. Wherever you go. Keep this book of the law the Torah, the first five books that Moses had written. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. In other words, it's that satisfying. It's better than food. Y'all tracking me? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And the reason why you do everything written in it is because it's the presence of God. Within it is the presence of God. Be strong and courageous, repeating yourself. Excuse, excuse me, let me careful written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, and here's what you know. Have I not commanded you, and here it is, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, right? We all know this, do not be discouraged, or maybe your version says dismayed, for the Lord our God is with you. What, saints? Man, one of the most popular, I mean, you see it on coffee mugs at Lifeway. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid or discouraged. 
For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's the question. And so I was wrestling with this. I was like, come on, God, you know, I need to talk to, I need to, talk to people in real time with real problems at a real place doing real things. And so I, I was listening to this video because y'all know I, 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 when John Piper speaks and I read and, you know, or, or listen, it's just like C-spot run. I mean, it's, so I just want to just add some things here. So how do we know that this promise in Joshua 1.9 is for you and I today? How do we know it's for us? I mean, literally, can I just say, well, it was written, so it's for me. You know, I just, you know. I, how do I know? Let, let's, let's answer the question. How do we know? How can we, as he would say, take a 21st century uh, 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 Gentiles, us, take a promise, apply it to Joshua, and apply it to us right now? And how is it? And he would say yes for three reasons. Here we go. First reasons. The promise is not limited to, to Joshua. And I would agree with him. Isaiah 41.10. Some of you love this verse. My wife loves this verse. She adores this verse. And you, you, you see, here's the promise. Here's the, the promise of Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Right? Be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10 says this, fear not. Same promise. Same promise expanded. For I am with you. Do not or, or be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It is the exact same promise now to an exact different group at a different time expanded not only to the nation of Israel, but to all who will follow God. But then it's even commanded, we see this beautiful picture, this promise, we see it expanded. So one, it's not limited to Joshua, proven there. Second reason is, is 2 Corinthians 1.20. I've I, I preached out of this passage before, but it says this, for all the promises of God, that's Old and New Testament people, for all the promises of God, find their, what saints? Yes, in him. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him, that is Jesus, we utter our amen to God for his glory. In other words, the second reason this promise in Joshua 1.9 is for us is because now Jesus is the fulfillment of every promise. Every promise in Scripture that is applied to the nation of Israel, that is applied to us, is a fulfillment. Then the third reason is in Romans. We see this even in Romans, in Romans 3.10. We see this. Uh, the, the, the Romans 8.32 provides the great gospel logic of all good things, he says, that are coming, including the promises of the Old Testament. Look at Romans 8.32. It says this. He, meaning God, did not spare his own what, saints? Son, that is Jesus, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him? This phrase is tremendous. Graciously give us all things. Romans 8.32 is the logic behind every promise. If he didn't Stop giving us Jesus. He will not stop giving you be strong and courageous. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. 
So we take Joshua 1.9 and we apply it to ourselves in the place where God has sent us that we can experience his presence more. So at salvation, we experience his presence. But there's more of God than just the salvation of God to man. There's more. And it is when we walk in his presence. So it is the promises. Remember the main idea, the main point? The main point today is this, is that the, uh, the transforming power of the gospel makes the promises of God more satisfying and more treasurable than whatever the world can offer or the world can give. So let's jump in to us and why we should be captivated by those promises. Look back in Joshua chapter 1. Verse 10. So in 9, we have, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, or, or your version might be say, do not be dis- dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. And then verse 11, wreck me. Wreck me. Go through the camp and tell the people. Number one. Number one, if God is with me, And God is going to drive out every fear and God is going to, the promises of God are true. Then God is saying to us today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word, he says to every one of us, number one, if the the promises of God mean more to us than what the world can offer, then we will follow Jesus with all we have. In other words, captivation in the promises of God means following Jesus with all we have. What does he say to him? He says, get your provisions ready. That word get and ready, literally uh, uh, translated from Hebrew, it, is, it literally means prepare. That word prepare, it, it, that, the idea behind those words, get your provisions ready. Get and the word ready literally means to be firm. And the question is today, am I firm in Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about Well, I was saved, and now I don't know if I'm not saved. Hebrews 7 solves that problem. I am not talking about if you're a believer, if you're saved or not. We have to move past salvation. I never said get over salvation. Don't hear hear that. We have to, what I mean is, is he's already saved us now. It means standing firm, meaning some of you are saying, but am I really where God wants me to be? Am I supposed to be where God wants me to be? All I can tell you is this, if, that if you're firm in Jesus, he will put you at the right place at the right time. Worrying about where I am is not in any comparison to worrying about being in the presence of God. Because when I'm in the presence of God, he draws out worry anyway, Matthew chapter 6. So it means to be firm. It means to be established. The question is, how's my relationship with the Lord? If my relationship with God, you know, uh, Brittany reminds me all the time, she, she was saying this even to me this week. She said, John, you know, the Spirit of God has been telling me, you know, God's been reminding me, it, it is our time alone with God. It is our time alone with God. We can't, we've got to guard it with everything we've got because we won't be any good to anybody else if that's not guarded. And oh, was that prophetic. Because if we as a, as a, a body of believers are not firm in our time with God, I promise you, when we get to the place and there's Satan has pushback, through lies you're not good enough you're not special enough you see somebody and they're getting all the awards and you're like well I'm never going to get ahead or you're the, you know you're the job and the person that's backstabbing the, the boss who's nice to the boss's face and they get ahead and all you see the lies that the enemy say you'll never you'll never you know, listen I don't need my boss's approval when I got God's 
See, my responsibility is to hear, well done it's by God, not well done by my boss. But what I found is that when I work for the Lord, either I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Don't come up here, Christian, cuss me because you get fired. Or you get promoted. I mean, when you just work for the Lord, the same way he parted the Red Sea, he will part your job. It'll either go well, or it'll go bad. There'll be so much pushback. Satan will work through people to get you out of there and get me out of there. But you know what? Here's what I found. I'm not leaving until God tells me to leave. Because I don't have to listen to a liar. I don't have to date one. I don't have to marry one. I ain't even got to eat with one. I don't have to listen. All I've got to do is listen to Jesus. And so the promises of God, I keep preach the gospel to yourself even at your job. People say, you're talking to yourself? Yep, what you're saying, I'm preaching. What you saying? <laughs> Let me tell you about my Jesus. Pew, they're gone. Not only is he talking about himself, he's talking about Jesus. Loser. You know, you ever walked into a room and it got real quiet? <laughs> that never happened to you, did it? Only me. Okay, never mind. That's my point, is to be firm. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 57 says this, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart, I love this, my heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. One translation says, my heart is confident in you. I think that's New Living, which paraphrase. Uh, or the King James. I love King James. It says, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Because, see, if my heart is not fixed, I'm going to listen to every lie. The lie is, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this. I'm never going to be a parent good enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. I've already messed up. Listen, I'm so glad that the only time that God looks back is at the cross. Y'all didn't hear what I'm saying. Let me break it down for you. Uh, we look back at our past and see our failures. But God looks back at the past and sees the fulfillment of his promise. Mm, mm, that's a whole nother level. I mean... DTR. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? Unless it's on faith. Define the relationship, people. Define the relationship. The Lord is defining it. I mean, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. And look what he says there. Get your provisions ready or, or get your food ready. Provisions literally means I, the Lord was showing me. John, that, that's all they had was their provisions. So he's saying to me, John, whatever it takes to get there, Lord, you can have everything. Whatever it takes for me, if God says whatever it takes for me to go on that, to go on and, and, and live this life on mission, and God is saying, hey, go to Ethiopia, or, or God is saying, go in that degree, or, or God is saying, hey, minister to this person, or God is saying, hey, go bless this person, you're like, I don't know what I got. Listen, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, a proverb says, though it costs you all you have, all you have, get knowledge. And people complain about it. I got to pay. The Bible says if it costs you all you have, get God's knowledge. And then I love this. He says, get your provisions ready. But you know what? If you live in fear, you live in a place of scarcity. Can I talk to you, to you a moment? When you feel like you're getting ready to lose something, you're going to hold on to it. Right? Now, come on. We've been in some relationships before. Come on, gentlemen. She looking at that other guy. I will cut him. I mean, look at him. I have walked by. I told y'all on, on this campus, I'm not judging. Yes, I am. 
And I have, I, I am amazed. How does that guy get that girl? Has, he, has she not looked at him? What? I try to tell the guys on this here. They don't listen to me because they just try to run around and wear skinny jeans and live in the Brewer Center. But um, I'm just uh, but I'm just kidding. But my whole point is, is that the Holy Spirit will make you hot. And I mean, it literally, you know, uh, talks about Satan, the little God of this age, blinds the hearts of unbelievers. Well, the Holy Spirit will just blind the eyes of these ladies. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, it just works out. But what I'm saying, trying to say is, but when you, when you live in the confidence of the Lord, you don't order, worry about losing what you couldn't get anyway. But if, you're, but, if you're, but if I'm afraid, if, I'm, if there's fear, that's why he says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Because then my provisions don't matter. Because my provisions are nothing more than a tool to be obedient, to get more of the presence of God. See, it's not what I can have, it's who I can, never mind. No, I'm just trying to help somebody today. It's just who you can have. And if I can transform my mind to stop thinking what I can have, but who I can have, then it doesn't matter on this earth who talks bad about me or likes me or doesn't like me. And if I get one like on Facebook or 5,000 likes on Facebook, it don't matter as long as the God of Israel and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob says, well done. So either I'm going to live in scarcity or I'm going to live in faith. And so if I'm afraid of what I'm going to lose, I'm going to hold it on tight. And y'all know in relationships, when somebody holds on tight, you get suffocated. Second thing, if I'm captivated by the promises of God, it means trusting, trusting Jesus to bring resurrection in the place of death. Watch this in verse 11. He says, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Last time some people went in and crossed the Jordan, they got beat down. They went, they went because God wasn't going before them. They went, it was a, it was a play. It was a, hey, listen, the Jordan was at flood stage, the Bible says. It was a place that was scary. I, I, I think about this. There's a place when God calls us, he always calls us when there's so little of us so there can be so much of him. Y'all understand? It's not, it, we, we, we always talk about what's my purpose? What's my purpose? The purpose of God for us in our lives is to have every bit of his presence we can have this side of glory. That's the purpose. And the way we do it is just be obedient. But when he sasses us to step out, there's always a place where it's scary. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. This is a scary time for Joshua. Though he had been called in Exodus, though he had been ordained, though he had been set apart, now is his time to stand up and look what verse, look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is what, saints? Dead. He's dead. There's always, sometimes before we step out, there's always a place of death before there's a place of life. That's just resurrection 101. There's always a, sometimes you have to step out of a job. Sometimes you have to step out of a relationship. Sometimes you have to step in. To, and in order to step in, i got to step out. I can't take where I am with me. 
I can't take my old baggage from my relationship with me. I can't superimpose on Lynette what my last relationship looked like because my last relationship ended in no relationship, but my relationship with Lynette ended in marriage. Can't, can't take, can't think the same way. Because it's not the same relationship. I can't say, well, the last girl did this. I can't say, the last girl cheated on me. I, the last person did it. I can't say that because she ain't her. There's always a place of death before a place of life. Always. Because you see, when you're going to cross the Jordan, the only way you can cross it is for God to make a way. Notice, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses might have been dead, but what God was telling Joshua was his voice and his presence is not. You know, sometimes the reason why things die around you, so the only voice you got left is God's. Come come on, that was good. And I get mad at God. Why you take that person out of my life? Why'd that happen? Why'd that happen? Why that happen? Listen, I'm, I, I, I hate that my earthly father was alive, but I'll tell you this, I speak more to Jesus now than I ever did before because I ain't got but one daddy. That's what it means. The transforming power means, are you being ready to cross? Look what he says, Moses, my servant is dead, verse 2. He says, now then, you and all these people, get Ready to what, saints? Yeah, because you see, just because there's a death doesn't mean there's not a new crossing. Though what's in front of you looks like a flood. Notice the Jordan River was at flood stage. Notice the Red Sea was pretty big. Notice that the armies were pretty large. And know that the grave was pretty dark. But if Jesus is undefeated... So am I, and so are you. There's no pain in this world too great that Jesus can't comfort. Now, I didn't say you won't have days where it hits you like a flood, and I didn't say have days you'll ask God why, but I promise you his presence will get you through the why. His presence will satisfy you enough to keep going in the Lord. Because there is always, always going to be a resurrection in the place of death. When something dies, with this degree dies, and that relationship dies, and this job dies, and this thing dies, God is wooing us and saying, come with me. Come with me. The Spirit of God working in a place of darkness is wooing the Spirit within me because He's omnipresent. And He's saying, come over here, John. Come over there. Come here. Come here. And then when I get there, there's just more of Him. Yes, there's more darkness But that just means my warrior is even greater. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 2 and 4. I'm getting ready to land this plane. I'm going to book through it. Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. It says, after the three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, You are to move out from your position in what, saints? So, John, you're telling me there's going to be a place of death. 
old relationships, whatever, and you're calling me into a, a, a new life with God, and, and that new life with God brings you into new relationships and all kinds of stuff. New, new jobs, new degrees, new friends, new church, whatever it might be. So you're in this newness, right, because his mercies are new every morning, right? He makes all things new in Revelation. So you're in this newness, this constant newness of God, right, this newness of God that we're moving into. And here's what's interesting. Look what he says. So the question is, the question for me has always been, God, when do I move? You ever ask the Lord that? All right, this is some good stuff. I'm going to give you some good stuff that the Lord, is he giving it to you? I ain't giving it. It's him. He said, when do we move? We move when God moves through his people. Now, y'all ain't hear me. Check this out. Verse, verse 2. He says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. That represented his presence. Right, saints? When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest, that is the priest to the believers. Uh, Peter says, we're the priest to the believers, right? We, we don't need the intercessory that we have or the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus. Romans 8, Hebrews 7. So we, right here, when the presence of God moves in the people of God, it's time for us to get up and go. But I know what you might say. Verse 4. Then you will know, <laughs> y'all know where I'm going. Then you will know which way to go. Come on, saints. Since you have what? How do I know when to move? Because I don't know which way to go because it's new. Hey, God's saying, when the presence of God moves in the people of God, it's time to go. God will make it clear, not only with his presence in you, but in the people around you. And you will know. And you will know. And it might be a way you've never gone before. But I want you to know, just because the Jordan was in flood stage does not mean the God of Israel was scared. Usually when God moves, the obstacle is going to be great so only he can get the glory. So listen, here it is. Why hasn't God killed us? Because he wants us to experience more of his presence. And so he sends us to here where we are, where our feet are right now. And around us is darkness and struggles and strife. And sometimes we hate where we are, and that's all because the presence of God wants to reign, and Satan is trying to push back with all he has. And the way that the day is won in Jesus is the saints of God trust the promises of God. Because some priest had to get into the flood. Y'all not hear me. This is where we get ready to land it. Some priest, imagine, I told him, imagine if it was your day. You were the priest. And you had to carry the ark. It's your day. Oh, happy day. <laughs> Step into the water because you can't swim. Right? It's your day. You got the ark. And God says, all right, we crossed into Jordan. Let's go. And Joshua says, the Lord said, let's go. And you're the priest. And you're like, now don't get all nervous. And you're the priest. And God's presence is on your back. God, don't you want to go first? Can I throw you in? Maybe you can. And then I'll. But what did God do? How was the Jordan moved? A priest had to step in first with the presence of God. And it was a flood. 
and he didn't know how to swim. He had never been this way before. Somebody in this room going to have to step up. Somebody going to have to step into the flood. And that's why your job stinks. And that's why some of you are still single and you're bitter and you're mad. And that's why some of you say, I can't leave my marriage, though it stinks. And that's why some of you say, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. And that's why some of us say, God, come quickly. Because God is telling us right now, he is living within us, and he is saying, step into the mess and watch me make a way. Just keep. There's an old hymn we used to sing in the church that I went to. And I, you know what? It's a sin. I don't forgive me, Lord. I used to think it was boring. You know, you stand, sit, stand, sit. Children will be seen, not heard. Shut up, I'll beat you later. You know, and you're like this. You know, you're scared. But we used to sing this hymn. You know, y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about? Hymn books. Y'all don't even know what they are. Some of them older people are like, I, I do. Yeah. Woo, hymns. And we, we used to sing this old hymn. Standing on the promises. Of God my Savior standing, standing. See, I can't sing. And I go, why are we singing this song? And people up there like this, with all they got, standing on the prime. And then the guy's doing this. And I'm like, are you crossing me? Or like, what I'm, your mama. Um, like, what are we doing? And so I used to think, this is boring. Give me some food. I'd eat. I'd sit there and scribble on every offering envelope that they had. I'd take the pencil and stab my sister. She was a dartboard. Um, then we had little rubber things where you put the cup juices in. I'd pull those out and stretch them to see if I could snap them and shoot them at people. It was awful. And the preacher's up there, hellfire! And I'd say, hellfire! And my mom would hit me and... Mom, I'm just repeating the cuss word. Um, and where'd you learn to cuss, church? No, I'm kidding. And so, uh, and so I just, you know, I was so rebellious and I just didn't want God. I didn't want anything about God because you know what? God wasn't about a relationship. He was about formality. And so God today is asking you as a believer, who's going to step? Somebody, you got to be the one at your office just to say, I'm going to stand on the promises and everybody else is standing at the cooler. They're over here talking about somebody else. I'm just going to stand with Jesus. Though I'm by myself, I'm not alone. Though the world says I'm weak, according to Paul writing in Scripture, God says I'm strong. Though I'm struck down, I'm not abandoned. You know, there's... Somebody has to step out. Somebody has today say, I'm going to trust the promises of God in my life right where I'm at. I'm not asking you today, go get a new job. I don't know if the Lord's asking you that. I don't, all I know is this, that he's just saying, will you trust his promise or will you trust what's around you? Will you trust the pain or will you trust him? And you know what I found in my pain? That when I trust that God would provide a way, he always did. When, when I was in a relationship that didn't work out and I was in pain, boy, I tell you what, Lynette sure is a lot better than what I had. Mm-hmm. Come on, Brittany knows what I'm talking about. I had a picture of her elbowing Marcus and saying, you know that's right. But anyway, I, I had a picture. 
Today, I want to ask you, who's going to be willing to be fearless and step out? Joshua 1.9. Here's the promise that I, hopefully that I've, the Holy Spirit has proven to you that it's not just for Joshua but us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Who in this room is a believer? Needs to step out and say. <laughs> I didn't even plan. Where's, where's, where, where's our worship team? Where are they? I didn't even, I didn't even plan. Where'd they go? Where'd they go? Hey, what song? Is it Oceans? It's, a, it's, a, it's y'all's versions of Oceans, isn't it? Here's what's interesting. We didn't even plan it. Do y'all know what the song Oceans? Yeah, you'll get it when you hear the words. Father, in the name of Jesus, that's my prayer right now. Who's going to step out? And who's going to step up? And the only way I know is for us to get on our knees before you and say, God, you're going to have to remove every fear. And so, Lord, I believe you're commanding us today, Lord, because it's a command in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Answers if it's a command. Be strong and courageous. So maybe there's some people in this room that want to ask you for strength. Maybe they want to ask you for courage. Uh, maybe they're dismayed. Maybe they're kind of worn out a little bit in a situation. Or maybe something's coming up and they're worn out a little bit about it or concerned about it. And you're saying, now's the time to step out. Yeah, we got to be the priests that carry the presence of God in the middle of the flood. Somebody's got to step out. Lord, that's what you're saying. Somebody's got to say, Lord, I'll carry your presence. I'll carry your presence. Though I might be in a, a, a relationship where I'm the only one. Though I, I might be the only one in my family or in my apartment or on my team. But I'll carry your presence. Though the flood might rise, my God is greater. Because you said that you've conquered the last enemy, which is death. So there's no more enemies. You're undefeated. So, Lord, whoever needs prayer, I pray that they'll receive it today. Whoever needs encouragement, that your spirit, that they will have comfort knowing they have laid at your feet and that you have gone not only in this moment to minister to their heart, but you've gone before them to the very place, to the flood that you've called us to. And then, Lord, if there's fear, then, Lord, I need to repent because, man, I'm fearful. Fearful. But where my feet may fail, my God never will. And if there's anyone in this room today, Lord, who doesn't know you in a relationship, they think it's by works, they think it's by coming to church, they, they might think it's by giving some money, or they might think because they've been kind to people, or they just might think they're a good person. Lord, you said in your word today, as we read in Romans, there's no one righteous, no, not one. And so we either get the righteousness of God or we get the judgment of God. And today, Lord, I pray because the heavens are open and you're speaking to our hearts that they would be wrecked and see that they're no match for the sin and they're the only answer is the Savior in Jesus. And you tell us in Scripture, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I pray with their heart that they would call upon you and willing to surrender their life. It is a big call, and they don't fully understand it. 
But God, the beauty is that they, their attraction to you right now, your pull of your Holy Spirit is greater than the unknown, which is exactly what we're singing in this song. So I pray that you would speak to us today. And if there's someone here, I pray that they would just call out to you right now. And then they let us know so we can begin to disciple them. They will not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Jesus' mighty name.